Good morning. It is such a good day, isn't it? We're going to be continuing our series about hidden in plain sight. And today we're going to be looking at the Passover. But before we get into the Passover, we're coming upon probably one of the most celebrated holidays in the U.S. Just last month, Tay and I got to go where it all began, at Plymouth Rock. And as I think about this holiday, it's such a great holiday that it's probably celebrated more than any other holiday in the United States. And if I were to ask you, what are some of those memories that come around or come to mind? Could it be the fall? It's getting cooler, the changing of the trees? Or could it be the endless blessings that God has brought your way, even though it may be a hard time? Could it be all the pageants that you had to sit through over the years with your kids and grandkids? Or maybe it's football. Or maybe it's the meal. You know, the turkey and dressing, the sweet potatoes, and don't forget the pies. But the one thing that Thanksgiving always brings about is this idea that there are traditions in Thanksgiving. So much so that it doesn't matter what country you're in or where you find yourself, you will do something to bring about some sort of Thanksgiving dinner in your life. Today, as we look at the Passover, we're going to see a very similar celebration in the life of the people of God. We're going to be in Luke chapter 22 for some of that. And as it comes together, we see that the disciples are with Jesus in that process. And they're getting excited and they're thinking about what's going on with this coming feast. And they know this feast is really important because even in the Old Testament, there were statements that said that if they didn't take of the Passover, they could be put out of the people or put out of the nation or put away from the nation. And here they are getting ready, and all these preparations need to play, take place, and they're not quite sure what's going to happen yet. It's like coming to Thanksgiving Day and forgetting the turkey. Or forgetting the, the TV. And so we see the disciples, as they're going through this process of getting ready, that they're still not sure what's going to happen. But this is such a big event for them. And I want to take you back just briefly to where this event started so you can see why it's so big for the, for the disciples and for the Jewish people. It goes back to their time in Egypt. And it goes back to a time when they were suffering and they were slaves and they were under Pharaoh's rule. Pharaoh controlled their destiny. And they've come, and Moses has come, and they, they've just seen nine plagues. And then there's this mandate from God or this threat from God that he is about to come through Egypt and kill every firstborn in Egypt. And there's going to be a wailing and a crying in Egypt like never before or never again. The destruction or the destroyer is coming. But God speaks to Moses. And God's going to give Moses 
a message of hope. He's going to tell the Israelites that from this day forth or this month forward, because from this month you are going to begin to celebrate the deliverance of God as a people. And so everything's going to start over. It becomes the first month of the year. And so every year it comes around and it's the start of a new beginning. God's deliverance is the start of a new beginning. And they're to take a lamb into their home for a number of days. And they're going to watch this lamb and they're going to observe this lamb. And they're going to make sure that this lamb has no blemish. It's not malnourished. But it's perfect for the sacrifice. I can just imagine the kids every year be like, Daddy, can we keep this one? We'll take care of him this year. But the dad knows that they can't because it's about a sacrifice. And so after a few days of watching and observing the lamb, the family gathers and they gather around and they come to this point where they are going to sacrifice the lamb and they sacrifice the lamb and they collect the blood. And they go home and they paint it on their doorpost and they paint it on the lintel and get ready for the night. It's said that in, in, in history that around the time of Jesus, it could have been 250 lambs or more offered on that day. But it's interesting that in the scripture, it always were, refers to the Passover lamb, not the 250,000 lambs, which I think we'll see is the foreshadowing of the lamb of God. And then they get together as a family. The doors are painted. They're ready to go. And it's time to eat. And they sit down to eat or they stand to eat. Their loins girded. Their, their staff is in their hand. And they're celebrating. And they're going to eat it with bitter herbs. And they're going to move into a way that they're going to realize that at this moment, something's about to happen. And we're going to be freed. And then they wait in their homes for the destroyer to come. So they celebrate. The Passover and their freedom from Egypt. So we go back to our disciples. 1,500 years after this established. And the disciples are still trying to figure out where are we going to celebrate this meal that is so important to us. And the story goes that Jesus sends Peter and John and he says, go in and you'll find a man who's carrying a water jug. Go to his house and he will have a room for us to celebrate the Passover. And so now they begin to get excited because the Passover is coming. Now it's time to, to celebrate the meal. And as they gather around the meal and they began to celebrate, they begin to share about what the Passover means to them. And what does it mean to them? I think it goes back, all the way back, and it means that God is the only God. They have just, in their, not the disciples, but in Israel, they have just seen that God has triumphed over Egypt. Egypt was the reigning power at the time. Egypt's gods were the gods of the world. Egypt had symbolized everything that had power. And God has come in and he showed himself and he's defeated all the gods of Egypt and even the God of the sun and even Pharaoh himself, who was the supreme God, cannot stand against God. So he has shown himself to be the one true God. 
So they remember a time when God showed himself and proved himself to be the one true God. But that's not all they would think back and celebrate. They would celebrate the freedom from slavery. For years, the Israelites spent their lives at the bottom of the social structure, being forced to do work for others, being challenged to to live a life for everybody else. And at this moment, this night, that they're remembering back, that they are no longer bound to that. They are free now as a people. And so they remember the freedom and how they were no longer slaves. Even though in the times of Jesus they were under Roman rule, but it wasn't near as bad as when they were in Egypt. But as they remember and they look outside their door and they see the blood, they see the painting of the blood on the the doorpost, they're reminded of the power that is found in the blood. Because the imagery that we see that the destroyer was coming into into Egypt and he was going to do his task and he was going to kill the firstborn and the only thing that would stop him in his tracks was the blood painted on the post. So they knew, they understood that when they walked in to to take the Last Supper with Jesus that that blood on there was powerful. But there's one that we often overlook is that when they sat to eat or stood to eat this Passover meal, they did it with staff in hand, loins girded in haste, and they were eating bitter herbs that were reminding of them all the pain and the suffering and the sorrow that had gone on in their lives. And they ate ready to move on to the next step. So they actually had this idea in celebrating the Passover that the Passover was a proclamation that their suffering in Egypt was not the end of the story. So as they celebrate the Passover, their understanding is that this is not, where we find ourselves is not the end of the story. The Passover reminded them that suffering is not the end. So that's where the disciples and Jesus are at a certain point. But then it comes to a point where they sit down and Jesus begins to share with them. And he says, I have eager or eagerly waited to celebrate this with you. For I tell you that I will not eat it again until it's fulfillment in the kingdom. The Israelites had spent 1,500 years living in the past. When they would come to the past, they lived about the past and what the past meant for them. And here Jesus is going to totally change that up and redirect them to what is really true. Because here's what he says. Or here's what the text says. And he took the bread. He gave thanks. And he gave it to them. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, at the end of the supper, he took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Every year that the Israelites looked at the Passover, they thought back as to what was going on. 
For 1,500 years, they did the, the Passover, and they would think about God and what he did, and they missed the reality that was coming in Jesus Christ himself. I can just see the disciples at this point, their heads are probably trying to figure out, okay, what in the world, Jesus, are you talking about? We know that it's about the past, and Jesus says, no, it's about the presence. It's about the present that we find ourselves in because my body is being given to you. My blood is, being going, to, is going to be shed for you in the new covenant. And their heads spin about what in the world is he talking about? And then they begin to remember back things like John the Baptist saying, Oh, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And pieces begin to kind of play into Clarity for them. So the Passover, it's not about the past. It's about the present reality in Christ's sacrifice. The Lamb of God. The Passover Lamb. And so we know... Reading scripture that this is the Lord's Supper that we partake with every Sunday. We come together, we share around the table. And this is what it means for us. First Corinthians 5, 7 says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. So the first thing we see about the Passover or about the Lord's Supper, which we partake in is that Jesus' body, or Jesus is the Lamb of God. When we look at Jesus, when we share around Jesus' sacrifice, we look that there is freedom of sin that comes. Not freedom from slavery, freedom from sin. Because we know that those who are united in his death are raised united in his resurrection. So that sin can no longer control us or have power over us we are freed from the power and the punishment of sin because jesus is the lamb of god but not only that when he is the lamb of god we see that the other important power in the world at the time was satan and in acts chapter 2 it says that god raised him from the dead Because it was impossible for death to hold him in its grasp. So Satan and death have been defeated. So as we look at the Lord's Supper, as we look at this idea of Jesus and the Lamb, it's it's forgiveness, it's freedom from sin, but it's also the fact that God once again says, I am the only God. But the second thing we see is that Jesus' blood is the new covenant. And the new covenant that was established among us through his blood, it's where God says that he's going to declare this new covenant with us. He's going to show us his love and he will put his laws in our hearts and on our minds and he will be our God. And we will be his people. And it says in Hebrews 8, that I will be merciful towards their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Because Jesus 
is the mediator of the new covenant with his blood. So there's that power in the blood. That blood power still exists for us today. And we also know that because Peter describes it in 1 Peter, he says, you weren't bought with gold and silver. You were bought with so much more, more powerful. And so the power of the blood is what binds us and brings us to Christ. And Christ was that lamb without blemish or defect. So Jesus' body is the blood of that new covenant. But Paul adds just a little bit more when he talks about it. Which is part of what Jesus is saying is that Jesus is alive and coming back. Every time you come together and, and eat and drink of the cup, you proclaim his death, but his coming back to get us in the future. That statement that Paul brings about is a statement that this life is not over. Or whatever's going on, the story is not over until he comes back and gets us. So we proclaim that it's beyond us. We proclaim that the story is beyond us every time we come together to celebrate our Passover. So we know Jesus is the Lamb. We know his blood's there, and we know it's a proclamation about his coming back. So what? So what? Why do we need to celebrate every Sunday? Why do we need to take and remember this every Sunday for us? Well, I think there's three things that, that celebrating the Lord's Supper every Sunday does for us. As we share around the table... We do so in order that we don't forget. I'm a forgetful person. We are typically forgetful people. I live my life out of sight, out of mind. If I didn't have my calendar on my phone or on my iPad, most of the time I would probably forget my appointments. So it's out of sight, out of mind. So God is going to bring in our lives something that we can do every Sunday we are together to remember what God has done for us so that we don't forget that we're set free from sin. That we are reconciled to God. That we are made new because of this sacrifice. And that we are a part of something greater than ourselves. But we are a part and we have the confidence to come into the presence of God. There are so many things that we, remind, we can remember about that. So my challenge to you is as you go through your life, go through the biblical text. Go back and look at what the Lamb has done for you. And when we come together on Sundays to share in the meal, remember what he's done for you. So we do it so we don't forget. Because we don't want to forget that presently the Lamb of God 
does those things for us. The second thing is that we gather around the table so we can shift our focus off of ourselves. I'm a pretty selfish person. We are a selfish humanity. And we focus constantly about the things going on in our lives. We are constantly worried about the things that we struggle with. We are constantly living about this, this me and me and mine and mine. It's all about me. It's all about my struggles. But the more we gather around the table and see Jesus, we learn that he did not come to be served, but to serve. As we see his character through his sacrifice, as we see who he is through his sacrifice, we can learn to bring that into our lives. So we take the focus off of me and we put it on him and we put it on others because this is something we do together as something we share in as a family. So we take the focus off of self and we are made aware that the Lamb of God is redeeming mankind and it's really not about me. Even though we remember what he did for us, it's not about me. But the third and final thing that I think the true Passover does for us and when we come to take it is that we learn to live for the future. Jesus told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life when they were facing the death of Lazarus. The disciples had seen him go to the cross, die, and be raised again. And they even saw him go up into the air. And the angel says he'll come back just like he left. And then we see in Revelation how we see the lamb standing in the presence of God as though he had been slain. You bring all those images together. And you realize that the lamb is still ministering to us. Jesus' life on earth was important. His death and his burial and resurrection were important, but his ministry did not end with his death, burial, and resurrection. His ministry ends when he comes and claims his children for him. So as we come around the table, as we come around to celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the table in this true Passover, we began to be able to open our tunnel vision about what's going on in our lives today to open it up to see the bigger picture. We began to be able to see the bigger picture about what God is doing and will do as we share around the table we realize that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so we commune with God so that we can see every, every Sunday when we commune together, that we can see that his everlasting love, his everlasting care for us goes beyond this life and death. That's the so what.
so we don't forget, so we take our focus off of self and we live for future. The Israelites for years, 1,500 years, looked back to Egypt as to what he had done, what God had done for them. When in reality, they should have been looking to the true Passover lamb. And Jesus, when he eats with his disciples, he said, I am that sacrifice, making it present. And so Jesus invites us every week to partake and to commune with him and be blessed because we sit at the table of the Lamb of the Lord, Lamb of God, to help us not forget, to shift our focus, and to live for a future that's not ending in this world. Jesus stands, resurrected Lord, making the invitation to us all. He makes an invitation that says, come share with me or of me. So as we close out today this series about the Passover and what was hidden in plain sight is our current reality of who we, where we stand and where we sit in the presence of God. And Jesus is inviting us to share weekly at the table of the Lamb of God. If you need the prayers of the congregation, if you need a relationship with Jesus, if you just need to be restored in your walk, the invitation is, come share the Lord.